you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for LAist's new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We are where we eat. We'll go behind the scenes of LA restaurants. The kickoff event is May 22nd. Tickets at LAist.com slash events. Welcome to Air Talks TV Talk from LAist 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle. Every Thursday, I'm joined on Air Talk by professional TV critics to review and discuss the newest cable TV, broadcast, and streaming series. With so much content available, we know it's hard to pick something to watch, and we're here to help. All right, let's meet this week's critics. We're so pleased to have with us Dominic Patton, senior editor and chief TV critic for Deadline Hollywood, and Eric Deggins, television critic for NPR, joining us. Eric and Dominic, great to have you both back with us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Let's uh, start, Eric, with Bel Air, which, of course, this is the reboot of The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. It's on the Peacock streaming service. And the second season uh, gets underway with releases of episodes one through three today. Eric, what have been your thoughts about this series and what do you think about the second uh, season? Well, you know, people who pay attention to my reviews will note that I was uh, a little tough on the show (laughs) when it first debuted. Uh, um, only because um, the original Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, one important part of that show was sort of the fun-loving and easygoing spirit of Will Smith's uh, character. And because um, they're doing this as a drama now, this is, um, you know, a, a sometimes soapy uh, drama about a kid coming from Philly trying to make his way in uh, California, you know, um, they lose a little bit of that. The character loses a little bit of that. And 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 that you know bummed me out a little bit, but the the show itself has become a really uh, well done uh, nighttime drama about um, you know th- this guy who's trying to make his way. And as the second season begins, there uh, is a schism between uh, Will, um, the the lead character played by Jabari Banks, and uh, and his uncle. Philip Banks, who's played by Adrian Holmes, who's a real well-known uh, character actor on TV, mm-hmm. and 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 you know, as the as the first episode of the new season opens up, the two of them are negotiating each other. They're not really speaking. The rest of the family is kind of worried about them, and and they're worried that he's going to return to the streets and kind of earn a living the way he did when he lived in Philly. So um, it, it you know, there's a whole constituency for this kind of drama. Um, on television, you know, especially in the black community, folks like to see interesting, complex characters in dramas. And the fact that it is based on a show that's so beloved by people, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, I think is just a plus. And so I I think this second season is going to be real successful. And you kind of alluded to this. One of the things I was I was wondering about this series, when you have a rare talent like a Will Smith and then you reboot a series, it's really hard because that show was such a vehicle for his skill. And and I'm just speaking nothing about the current cast, but just that it's still that's a tough thing to do. And and that's one reason why redoing it as a drama, I think, takes a little bit of that weight off of their shoulders mm-hmm. because um, you can't really. It's hard to compare the two shows because one was uh, a sometimes silly, you know, old school situation comedy with 
um, you know, uh, with Will Smith, you know, this charismatic, very unique performer at the center of it. This thing is very different. It, it It's more of a drama. If you know uh, shows like All American on the CW or shows like like Power on Stars, it's more like that. Okay. And, and so uh, so it, it frees them up in a way uh, to take the sh to take the story in places that um, the original couldn't go. And, and you know, of course, it, it, it can be much more serious and talk about more serious topics. And it's rated TVMA uh, in, in, uh, along the same lines. It, it streams on the Peacock service, Bel Air. It's second season, releasing today with the first three episodes of season two. Uh, there'll be a 10-episode ten, a ten order for this second season. The Exchange, uh, a Netflix uh, drama from Kuwait. Uh, Dominic, please tell us about uh, the exchange, which I understand takes us back to Kuwait in 1988. Yes. Now, so for many of us, of course, we know the the, the kingdom state from the Desert Storm War of 1990, 1991. This story is, for those of you who perhaps saw Showtime's Black Monday and others, very much a period piece with the puffy shoulders and everything else, but more interesting on two other levels. It debuted earlier this month, and here's why I think it, it's worth watching. One it totally breaks our norms of our standards and expectations of the region, of the Middle East. You look at two female characters here breaking into the Kuwait Stock Exchange as they try to find both independence financially and in terms of their own families and in terms of their own identity. You have a woman and her cousin who are really looking to get out of things like simply the guardianship that they fall under under a parent. Um, the fact that one of the main characters is a divorcee and she's trying to raise her teenager, who is actually, this is based on a true story by the creator of the show, Nadine Ahmed. What I would also say makes this interesting, besides being an eminently bingeable drama, is this is the streamer's first show from Kuwait. This is the streamer's effort yet again. And as we're going through this period in the industry where people are talking about cutbacks and layoffs and, and constrictions and what have you, remember – I often think of Netflix like the Catholic, the Vatican. There's only going to be one example of this, so please don't cross yourself. But my example is simply this. The Vatican's primary interest is not North America. It is Central America. It is South America. It is Africa. And for that, I compare it to Netflix, and their interest is around the world. This is their entry into the Middle East. And I think it's a very strong one that plays both in the region, which I visited occasionally, and outside the region. Definitely worth watching. All right. It's called The Exchange, the drama rated TV 14 from Kuwait on Netflix. And all six episodes are out now of the series. Party Down on Stars in its third season, uh, the series that's created by John Engbaum, Dan Etheridge, and Paul Rudd. Eric, please tell us about uh, Party Down. And for those aren't familiar uh, of the LA with the LA set series, kind of what's the arc been that gets us to season three? Well, this this is a really interesting show. You know, every so often in television and showbiz, you get these projects where everybody who worked on it sort of goes off and then becomes superstars. And in the case of Party Down, you know, this was a show um, that that aired in like 2009, 2010, and featured a bunch of people who would go on to do, um, you know, uh, amazing stuff. You know, Adam Scott was a star and, you know, he was just on Severance and Parks and Rec. Uh, Lizzie Kaplan, um, you know, you might remember from Masters of Sex, Martin Starr, who's been in the Spider-Man movies and in Tulsa King and uh, Sally Jane Lynch, 
from uh, from Glee and many other things. Jennifer Coolidge, of course. And so this was a series that uh, Paul Rudd wasn't actually on camera, but he was one of the executive producers and co-created it. But this sort of uh, you know catering uh, uh, team, uh, this, this this sort of low rent catering team. And I don't know, uh, you know, some people in LA may have had this experience even of you know going to to uh, deal with a catering team and seeing people who are performers who are also part of it um so so uh that must have inspired this comedy yeah. which is about this sort of dysfunctional catering team uh who uh, you know are just trying to make their way and uh the show aired in 29 and 2010 they decided to try and bring it back on stars uh in 2023 and we're seeing new episodes and it's it's like riding a bike for these guys. They, really, it's, it's, they, they could reheat the souffle, right so to back speak. Into the swing of things. Yeah, so yeah, no. that's that that and and impressive that they were able to bring back those uh, stars who had used this as the springboard to go on to those different roles that you talked about. They wanted to come back and do it. What's well, it? I mean, you know, when Party Down aired, some of the people, I mean, Megan Mullally was on it. She had already uh, had success on Will and Grace. Some of these people were already, um, you know, well known. I think some of it was just that they had their friends and they had a lot of fun doing the show. Uh, so it probably wasn't much of a hard sell to get them to all try and come back yeah. and 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 redo it. And and now, and in, in, in you know, there's such competition uh, in in uh, in TV entertainment to have a show that has like a history to it and that has a, a, a core fan base, you know, it's probably small, but there are a lot of people who remember that show. Uh, and, 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 you know, so, you know, established intellectual property is no small thing. So it's smart for stars to bring it back. And I'm sure it was a blast for all these uh, old friends to get back together. Again and it's, it's and, only uh, six it episodes. Again. So it's not a huge exactly. commitment for them either. Uh, again, exactly. it's, it's uh, the season three of party down with huge uh, intervening years. Uh, and uh, episode one of those six releases tomorrow on stars. And then, uh, uh, subsequent five episodes will follow. Party Down, rated TV 14. We're joined by our critics on TV Talk, Eric Deggins, from whom we were just hearing. You hear him on NPR as television critic, and Dominic Patton, senior editor and chief TV critic for Deadline. Dominic, please tell us about the Amazon Prime uh, comedy series, The Consultant, starring Christoph Waltz. Well, it debuts on Friday, on February 24th, tomorrow. And I'll just put it this way. It's, um, if you think your boss is bad and creepy, you need to watch this show with the two-time Academy Award winner. What I particularly like about this show, which takes place in, over eight episodes in the L.A. tech world with a company called Compware. And Waltz's character is basically brought in after the death of the boss to right the economic ship of the place. Now, if that sounds familiar to anyone who's been reading the news who works either in or outside the tech business – to Amazon, because they nailed this one in terms of timing. Where it works is, I think, is the mind games and manipulation and the way the employees are trying to outmaneuver Waltz's character as he phones them at all hours of the night, tries to get inside their lives in every single way. It may feel like they're stretching this out over the eight episodes, and I'm willing to, to grant that. But watching Christopher Waltz, you know, I would say this is the famous expression I think went about Allen Ginsberg at one point. I would watch him or listen to him read the phone book 
And this is a perfect expression for him to have a ton of fun, which is the best way to see the actor in motion. It's great. When you see that kind of talent leading a series, as, as Christoph Foltz does here, the consultant on Amazon Prime Video, the comedy series created by Tony Bascallop. Uh, and uh, as Dominic just said, the episodes release tomorrow, Friday, February 24th on Prime Video. The documentary series, uh, Murdaugh Murders, A Southern Scandal, debuts, uh, or actually did debut, yesterday on Netflix. All three episodes are out. Eric, uh, what did you think of this series? Well, uh, it's interesting. Of course, Alex Murdaugh is uh, uh, on trial right now. On the stand uh, today, I believe. On the, on the stand, yeah, expected to take the stand today. Um, he's on trial for the murder of his wife and his son. What this uh, uh, docuseries does is delve into the history of the family, particularly the allegations that son Paul um, was operating a boat under the influence with a bunch of friends and caused a boat crash that left one of them dead. And um, at around as it tells the story of that crash, talking to uh, a lot of the uh, the young people that were on the boat uh, when it happened, and also people who know the community, um, people from local media who covered it. Um, you get a picture of a, a very powerful family in the Low County region of South Carolina. This Murdaugh family had a law practice that had been uh, a power uh, a powerhouse in the state um, for a, a hundred years or more. And uh, they still had a very powerful family-based law practice. And the allegations in the docuseries is that that family used its influence to get um, Paul uh, out of trouble when he would, when um, when he would, uh, you know, overuse drink, and 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 get into trouble. And also, um, it talked a bit about Alex Murdaugh, the father's problems with um, um, being addicted to drugs, and also allegations that he had uh, misused money intended for his clients instead to service his addictions. Uh, and 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 it's interesting that this is coming out just as the trial is starting to uh, reach a, a pivotal point. Yeah. And we're expecting Alex to, to speak for himself uh, on the witness stand. And and let me update, because, in fact, um, Alex Murdaugh testified um, just shortly ago that he did not kill his wife and son. He has denied committing the crime, but he has admitted on the stand lying about when he last saw them alive. Again, uh, this the testimony he's testifying in his own defense in the double murder trial, which is at the center of this Netflix three-part documentary series it released yesterday on Netflix, Murdaugh Murders, A Southern Scandal. Uh, the documentarians who created the series, Jenner First and Julia Willoughby-Nason. It's rated TVMA. This is TV Talk from LAS 89.3. We'll be right back after this. Support for LAS comes from Will Gear Theatricum Botanicum, returning with a season of outdoor summer repertory theater on its scenic stage in the woods of Topanga, with picnicking in the gardens before the show. A Midsummer Night's Dream is back, along with The Winter's Tale, Wendy's Peter Pan, and Tartuffe Born Again set at a TV station in Baton Rouge. And for a contentious election year, Bernardo Cubria's The Hispanic, Latino, Latina, Latinx, Latin Vote. Tickets at theatricum.com. 
The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com slash sweeps. Hi, this is Larry Mantle, and you're listening to Air Talks TV Talk, a weekly review of the newest cable TV, broadcast, television, and streaming series. Let's get back to reviews. We're so pleased to have television critic Eric Deggins of NPR with us and Dominic Patton of Deadline Hollywood telling us about the best of television out this week, and uh, sometimes that's brand new series. Others are returning, sometimes even with a years-long gap. Next up is the Apple TV Plus series, Laison, uh, the film starring Vincent Cassell, the French actor, uh, Eva Green, and uh, Daniel Francis. Uh, the film, or I should say the series, excuse me, is created by Virginie Brock. Uh, it's rated TVMA. Dominic, please tell us about this uh, this series. Well, it's a political thriller. And maybe I'm playing a, playing a little bit too much of the highbrow today. But, A, Vincent and Eva, I mean, again, you, you can kind of watch them do anything. And they're having yeah, a ton yeah. of fun here in what is actually a very serious series underneath all the high-tech uh, the high tech espionage and the action scenes, et cetera, et cetera. Essentially, this is really our first significant post-Brexit series. International in all its ways, with people jumping out of many different languages, English, French, Arabic, et cetera, et cetera, depending on the circumstance within the, the series, which is directed by a 24 veteran, which should kind of tell you a lot about where this is going. This really looks at the UK being attacked repeatedly by cyber attacks, which lead the rest of Europe, because the Britain has left Europe, it's so vulnerable, has left the European intelligence for security forces to have to take matters into their own hands. Now, to use the old expression, hijinks ensue, but it is something that I found so watchable because it both played on just that minimal of real-life intrigue, plus just some great actors yeah. having a great time in a blast, which was at that production value level that we have now seen happen internationally, that more than meets the standards that have been for so many years dominated by American films and television shows. Well, sure, huge talent leading this series, Les on uh, Apple TV Plus, where you can see it. Episode one releases tomorrow, Friday the 24th. There'll be a total of six episodes. We're getting a little tight on time, but Eric, I would uh, like you to tell us about the final season in the sixth of Snowfall uh, on FX with Next Day Streaming starting on Hulu. Sure, yeah. Well, Snowfall, as uh, some may know, is this ambitious uh, TV series that was kind of set uh, around this idea that they wanted to um, depict the idea that the CIA helped facilitate the import of cocaine into Los Angeles in the eight, late 80s and early 90s, uh, helping to kick off the crack epidemic. This is something uh, that, uh, you know, uh, uh, some journalists uh, say they have evidence of in the real world and some people say is fiction, but they decided to uh, to build a TV show around it. And originally the TV show was set in three different areas. It was set in 
in uh, South Central Los Angeles, where we saw this young man named Franklin Saint sort of um, uh, realize that there's a market here and, and and try to set up his own drug operation with his family. Um, and then it, there was a CIA agent that they spent time with, and then there were people in Mexico that they spent time with. Um, over time, Franklin Saint's story sort of grew to kind of take everything over. And now it's very much about sort of Franklin becoming this gangster and, uh, you know, progressing from being this sort of ambitious, smart kid to becoming this hardened gangster. And, and as the final season opens, he's at odds with his own family, mm. who he thinks has stolen money from him. And uh, they're about to go to war over this shared drug operation that they've built up. And uh, the, you know, the ultimate question is what's going to happen to Franklin and how does it fit into this larger story? And of course, this series was co-created by John, the, the late, great John late, great. Singleton. We lost two the, young John Singleton. Yeah, Hood, who passed away uh, while they were sort of midway uh, through doing the series, but they have always kind of used his vision as an inspiration. And, you know, I've talked to people connected with the show and they feel like this final season is a realization of probably what he would have wanted. They've tried to follow some of the guidelines and the and the um, the vision that he set out before he passed away. And they're hoping that this final season will kind of be a tribute to him because he was always known for uh, painting these really realistic portraits of uh, life in South Central LA Boys in and, the hood, and, life yeah. in, in, and black culture yeah. in LA. And so they really want to, they want to live up to his example in the final season. And in my view, the very underrated baby boy as well. Um, all right, Eric, thank you so much. Snowfall, we're talking about uh, final uh, six seasons. It airs Wednesday night, 10 o'clock on FX, and then streaming the next day on Hulu. The first uh, two episodes are out to this point. We're almost out of time, but I did want to ask you, Dominic, quickly about the importance of the SAG Awards, particularly for television. Can you give us like 30 seconds on what the SAG Awards mean to TV? Well, it could mean a lot to TV, but then I think the thing that's really interesting this year is it's not on TV. It's that's on Netflix. Right. We're going to see a re we're seeing a revolution happening in, the, in in award shows, and whether or not it pans out or not, the SAG Awards, which we're looking for a home desperately, they're going to be the the template. So it's all up in the air. Let's see. All right, very good, gentlemen. Thank you so much. That's Dominic Patton. He's senior editor and chief TV critic for Deadline Hollywood and Eric Deggins, television critic for NPR. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Air Talks TV Talk from LAist 89.3. If you like what you heard, please subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Support for LAS comes from Will Gear Theatricum Botanicum, returning with a season of outdoor summer repertory theater on its scenic stage in the woods of Topanga with picnicking in the gardens before the show. A Midsummer Night's Dream is back along with The Winter's Tale, Wendy's Peter Pan, and Tartuffe Born Again set at a TV station in Baton Rouge. And for a contentious election year, Bernardo Cubria's The Hispanic, Latino, Latina, Latinx, Latin Vote. Tickets at theatricum.com.